If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And this is another one of those episodes uh, where I have no idea where it's going because it is a free association podcast. And I've done this a couple of times, and you guys have written in saying that you really enjoy it. So I thought I would do it again. And uh, what this is, is I start off with a topic which suggests something else, and then I go off on that tangent and and then just keep going from topic to topic. But at this point, I have no idea where I'm going to go with this other than where I'm going to start. So where am I going to start? I want to start with a recommendation. And this is a show that is on HBO Max, and it's called Hacks. And I'm one of those people, I don't watch every new show that comes along. First of all, there's way too many of them, and they're all on too many platforms. So what I generally do is I'll wait to get recommendations from people. I'll wait till I hear some buzz. People saying, oh, you really got to check out this Ted Lasso. Oh, you really got to check out this uh, new show called Hacks. So I decided to uh, to do both, actually. And Ted Lasso, I found, to be, uh, to be very delightful. Unfortunately, I don't get Apple Plus. So I have to see it when I'm at someone's house and I can, like, mooch off of their Apple Plus. But Hacks is a show that stars... Jean Smart, and you've seen Jean Smart in a lot of things. She plays a lot of different characters. I think this is her best role. I think she has a good chance of winning an Emmy. The show is about like a Joan Rivers type, very successful middle-aged comedian who has a big gig in Las Vegas and uh, works a showroom 46 weeks a year. Uh, in the case of the series, she's also kind of an entrepreneur and has all of these items that she sells on QVC. So she'll get done with uh, her show at the casino and go to the airport and get on a private plane and probably fly to Los Angeles for an hour and then go and pitch her chotskis on QVC and fly back and uh, be back in time for, you know, James Corden. I don't know. Uh, but it's a terrific show, and it also stars uh, a newcomer, Hannah Einbinder. Great name, isn't it? 
She is actually, little trivia note here, the daughter of Lorraine Newman, who, of course, was one of the original cast members of Saturday Night Live. And the premise is, like I said, you have this comedian who's been doing it for a million years and is just a veteran of the wars, and you have this very hot young comedy writer who says something objectionable on Twitter and her career basically is destroyed. So the only job she can get is to try to write material for uh, Gene Smart's character. And it's really fun. There's great byplay between the two of them. And it really resonated for me probably more so than most people because I found myself in a very similar situation. A number of years ago, my partner David Isaacs and I were approached by our agency to develop a show that Rita Rudner and John Lovitz had agreed to do a series together. And they wanted to do something about adult siblings. So David and I came up with what we thought was really a a great idea. And uh, it took place in Vegas. And at the time, probably still true, but Rita was at one of the hotels, like Harrah's or something, and had her room and would do shows eight times a week and would basically sell out (laughs) every single time. She was hugely popular. And so since we were going to set our series in Las Vegas, she said, well, come on up for a couple of days and see what it's like. And they comped us rooms at Harrah's and, you know, we had a, a per diem and as long as we ate at Harrah's and we spent a few days with her and got a chance to see just what her life was like. And it's true, very much like the series where she rolls into the casino hotel at about seven o'clock, gets dressed does her set from like 9 to 10.15 and is back home in time for Stephen Colbert. And that's her life, and she makes oodles and oodles of money. Again, I recommend Hacks. I also love Las Vegas. I just love how cheesy it is. And who is cheesier and more of a mainstay in Las Vegas than Wayne Newton. I once got a chance to see a Wayne Newton show, and it's everything you thought. It was just dripping in sincerity, and there's pyrotechnics and dancing girls and big spectacle. The guy had one he hit, Dunka Shane, which was from like 1962 when he was 12 years old and he's managed to have this long career. I also saw him when he performed at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles. I wouldn't say I met him per se, but we did have an encounter. So it's a summertime night. And it was sponsored by K-Earth Radio. 
And the morning man at the time, Dean Goss, was a good friend of mine. We were both disc jockeys together at KYA in San Francisco. So he invited me to the show. Sure, chance to see Wayne Newton. I wouldn't pay for it, but for free, sure. So we show up, and the show's about to start, and suddenly the lights go out. And the electricity goes out, which means so do the sound system, so do the microphones. You don't know how long this is going to last, but the opening act, who was some shecky buddy comic, some stand-up guy from the Borscht Belt, got out there and just started doing his act. Now, needless to say... Beyond row 10, nobody could hear this clown. Plus, no one was particularly interested in seeing an opening act. So he was just getting booed, and and the poor guy is just standing there doing his material. And my friend says to me, hey, want to go backstage? I have a backstage pass. And I said, yeah, got nothing else to do. Just sitting here listening to this poor comic die. So we go backstage, and just as we go backstage, the lights come back on. It's now about 8.30. There's all this cheering from the crowd, and they announce in 10 minutes the show will start. And the musicians all take their place. And we were standing right by the wings. It was Dean Goss and myself and a few other people like Wayne Newton's manager, whatever. And we were right by his dressing room, which had a big star on the door. It said Wayne Newton. So it's like two minutes now before the show is supposed to start. Anticipation is building. And the door flies open. And Wayne Newton, wearing a bathrobe, storms out of the dressing room and he's heading for us the wings and I don't know why but he singled me out and he walked straight up to me and looked me in the eye and then with his hand like patted my stomach two three times and he said to me go for it and then he turned He peeled off the robe, and he was wearing some ridiculous sparkly blue tuxedo, and he burst out onto the stage and did his show, again with waterfalls and fireworks and everything else. So that was my one encounter with Wayne Newton. K-Earth Radio, which is the oldie station in Los Angeles. It's still the oldie station in Los Angeles. used to be 50s and 60s. Now oldies are records from the 90s. But uh, a number of years ago, a good friend of mine was the program director, Johnny Kay, who, by the way, has been a guest on this podcast. Uh, But he asked me to fill in on a Saturday night. And then, yeah, okay. So I did a break-in show earlier in the week where they taught me how to use the board and they taught me the format and everything else. So Saturday night, presumably there's a big audience and 
I would be ready. Now, I was not given a key to the radio station. I had to be let in. That's very difficult to do because there was only one guy on duty, and that was the disc jockey. It's a very skeletal crew, needless to say, Saturday night at 6 o'clock. I'm buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. Uh, The station is in an office building complex on Wilshire Boulevard. Finally, after about 10 minutes, the disc jockey comes out and gets me. And we go back into the station. And I go on the air at 7 o'clock. Well, by 9 o'clock, I'd use the bathroom. And I'm walking around during the time that the songs are on the air. And there were a couple of other radio stations that were also broadcasting from that location because the same company, at the time it was CBS, uh, owned that station, it owned The Wave, it owned KLSX, which is no longer... So I'm wandering all over the building looking for the bathroom. There's just no bathroom. I just can't find it. So I'll wander around for like 10 minutes and then run back and do a set and then go back in search of a bathroom. And it turns out, because I asked somebody there, and they said, oh, there's no bathroom in the station complex itself. But there is a bathroom by the elevators in the main hall. But to get to those bathrooms, I would have had to leave the station and I would have locked myself out. So I couldn't do that. (laughs) And for the last three hours of doing my show, oh, my God, it was just, just a nightmare. All I could think about was wanting to go to the bathroom, at least in baseball. You know, when you're doing minor league baseball, oftentimes you're doing it by yourself and you face the same problem. You know, you're up in this press box and you're doing a double header and you need to go to the bathroom. Well, then you would just pee into an empty Coca-Cola can. So I went searching for vending machines. Guess where the vending machines were? by the elevator, by the bathroom. So that wasn't an option. I couldn't wait until 12 o'clock when I got off the air and was able to use the bathroom. And that reminds me of an announcer friend of mine, Dave Glass is his name. And like me, he started out in the minor leagues and he spent some time as a play-by-play man for the San Francisco Giants. But During his early days, he was working like in a Florida State League, I think, and the great, legendary, iconic baseball broadcaster Red Barber lived in Jacksonville where there was a team and my friend got to announce the games and Red Barber was there one night. And so he said to him, what advice could you give a young broadcaster? And Red Barber said, never miss an opportunity to use the bathroom. Uh, Those words rang so true. 
I spent three years in the minors. I was very lucky because there's a lot of people who can spend 10 years or their entire lifetime in the minors without getting called up. And I talked about this before, so I'm not going to go into it in detail. But I was doing the Syracuse Chiefs, the AAA affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays back in 1988. And they gave me an opportunity to do a big league game. And I did two innings on the radio and did a real nice job. And then I was interviewed uh, by some local TV station. And, of course, I didn't care because I was done for the night. But then they said, hey, come on in and do the TV. And so I uh, met the TV guys, and uh, they put me on the air, and they had me do play-by-play. And I didn't even know what inning it was. I mean, I hadn't followed the game. I didn't have any score sheets, anything. So that was (laughs) quite a nightmare and quite... uh, quite a memorable first game. But I will say this. I fell in love instantly with Toronto. It is such a great city. It is so clean. They have, maybe they still do. I don't know. I haven't been there in a long time, but they used to have this restaurant called Move and Pick. And it was open late. And it was a great coffee shop with amazing desserts, amazing Danishes and Napoleons and eclairs and lots of strawberry things. Uh, I used to love going to moving picks. Anytime I would go to Canada, I'd go to Toronto, I'd go to Montreal, and I made sure I hit moving picks. Hopefully they're still around, and if you're in Canada, I imagine some of you are going, oh, my God, there's a blast from the past, moving picks. So I used to love moving picks, and I remember one time going to a movie theater during the afternoon because you know, when you're there, you're stuck in a hotel and you're playing night games. It's Tuesday. What are you going to do? First few years, you sightsee. You spend the day just going around seeing everything. Well, I had been to Toronto enough times that I pretty much didn't need to sightsee. So I went to a movie, and I go up to the candy counter, and I don't recognize a single candy. They're all Canadians. So they're all, you know, Gooboflex and Bing Bongs, and I, I don't know what they are, what's in them. That was, that was very strange. I wish I remember the name of the restaurant. There was an Italian restaurant. It had been there a long time. They had beautiful stained glass windows. started with a B. And usually if we had a Saturday day game in Toronto... The announcers and I would make a beeline for this place, like Bigliardi's maybe or something. Uh, I don't know. I, I just made that up. And so one night, having dinner, like the four of us, the broadcast crew, and I notice at another table nearby is Randy Johnson. And a couple of the pitchers. Randy Johnson is going into the Hall of Fame. That's how good a pitcher Randy Johnson was. Well, at the time, Kurtwood Smith was in Toronto filming something. And Kurtwood and I have been longtime friends since he was in Big Wave Dave's. So I said, hey, join us for dinner. 
So he said, sure. So it was Kurtwood and me and a couple of the other announcers and the engineer. And then at another table, Randy Johnson and a few of the pitchers. Nobody came up to us, say anything. The next morning, I'm in the locker room, and Randy goes, oh, my God, that was, that was Kurtwood Smith. You were having dinner with Kurtwood Smith. And I said, yeah. Why didn't you come up and say hello? I would have introduced you. And he goes, oh, no, I, oh, my God, I couldn't have done that. Oh, no. And I just found it very amusing because, I mean, here he is, like I said, an all-star, a Hall of Fame pitcher and yet he was too nervous to <laughs> go up and talk to to Kurtwood Smith and I imagine there are a lot of actors who would go oh my god that's Randy Johnson I can't go to his table Jesus Christ Randy Johnson of course Randy Johnson would throw at their heads if he didn't like them but still I found that to be rather amusing what else to talk about? Hall of Fame. Okay. A number of years ago, I got to punch up the speech of a Baseball Hall of Fame inductee, and that was Eric Nadell, who is the longtime radio voice of the Texas Rangers and a terrific announcer. And he was elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and he asked me if I would punch up his speech, which I did. So I'm now watching this from Cooperstown on the baseball network. And number one, he does a really good job with my jokes. You know, because, you know, somebody with a bad delivery will just kill him. But nah, Eric did a great job and got every laugh. And here's the part that I loved. There was always a cordoned off section of former Hall of Fame ball players that come back each year for the ceremony. And they cut to them a couple of times and they were all laughing. So I'm looking at Sandy Koufax, at Hank Aaron, at Willie Mays laughing at my joke. That was so cool and that leads me to the tca awards television critics association they have an award ceremony every year i think it is now televised by somebody but for many years it was just held in the ballroom at the beverly hilton hotel where they do the golden globes and cheers was going to receive the lifetime achievement historical, iconic award. I don't remember what the hell it is. But the Charles Brothers and Jimmy were out of town or couldn't be bothered, probably the latter. And so Jimmy called me and said, would you accept the award on our behalf? And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. So I prepared a speech, and the speech was pretty funny. And I I have to say... In terms of the entertainment for the TCA Awards, uh, the presenters who were television critics and some of the people who received awards, not a lot of hilarity. 
not a lot of real entertainment value. So I got up and I gave my speech, and I don't know if it was the world's greatest speech, maybe the fact that it was the only thing that woke people up, but it killed. It just killed. There was probably a 1,000 people in the room. I glanced down and I saw at the table right by the stage was the group from Homeland and Claire Danes was there. And I've always had a crush on Claire Danes. And so I'm looking out of the corner of my eye. When I do a joke and it gets a huge laugh, I see that Claire Danes is laughing. And I had that same reaction, like, oh, my God, I made the pretty girl laugh. And as I'm walking off the stage, I'm thinking to myself, you're still 13 years old. (laughs) Nothing has changed with you. It's the reason you got into comedy. There were a thousand people out there laughing, high-powered agents and network people and studio honchos and a lot of big mucky mucks in addition to all of the other headline casts and various members of the press. I mean, you know, there were a lot of quasi-important people who laughed at that speech. All I cared about was that I made the pretty girl laugh and I'm still 13 years old. Homeland was a series that I loved. I think it won a lot of awards that night, but that's because it was the first season. And I've noticed this as a trend where shows, especially shows that are adapted from overseas, will have a great premise and a great first season because that's pretty much the story that the series is there to tell. I mean, in Homeland, Claire Danes was an agent trying to determine whether or not this returning veteran was actually brainwashed. Uh, It was a really interesting thing, and it led to a, a conclusion. But so many times I will see that these shows that have great first seasons sputter in the second and third because after that season and the show gets picked up, now the writers are going, uh, what do we do now? And so you see these shows just kind of wander around Oftentimes they repeat themselves, but you can just tell that there's no real driving force. They're basically tap dancing. And so you you see a series and you just love it the first year. Like I loved Homeland. A um, couple of others, uh, Killing Eve. Killing Eve had a great first season. And then the second season and the third season, they're playing kind of a cat and mouse. It's like uh, really boring. Uh, Orphan Black would be another one. And I loved In Treatment, the original one with Gabriel Byrne, 
which was adapted from an Israeli series. And so the first season of In Treatment, he is a psychiatrist and he sees different patients different nights. Interestingly, in the Israeli version, one of the storylines is that the psychiatrist falls in love with one of his patients. And, you know, how does he reconcile that? Well, in the Israeli version, it was uh, Gal Gadot was the <laughs> was the girl. So, yeah, I could sort of see where the psychiatrist might be going, well, uh, fuck my license. Uh, I have a chance at, at <laughs> Gal Gadot. Um, so, looking at the old clock here, I pretty well killed 30 minutes, and that is your free association podcast. Any thoughts on it? Any comments about any of the topics? You can write in saying, I love moving pics. Uh, just get in touch with me, HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. That's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. I'm also on Twitter, at Ken Levine. I'm on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. If you haven't already, please subscribe. I could always use a uh, four- or five-star review. And beyond that, I bid you a fond adieu, and we'll talk to you next week. Hollywood and Levine.